Hey everyone, grab your Bible, a journal, a pen, maybe even a cup of coffee, and I would like for you to write this down. Genesis 25, verses 21 through 25. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is so, why then am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Now the first came out red, all over like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. Welcome to Write This Down with Dot Bowen. I'm your host, AJ, and I have some exciting news for you. Our podcast is now available on all streaming platforms, including Spotify. Sadly, May 26th will be our last podcast before our summer break, but we cannot promise to be gone for three full months. So we may or may not have a few pop-up episodes throughout the summer that you will not want to miss. So subscribe to ensure that you'll get a notification when a new podcast is released. Today, Dot will be speaking about the lessons we can learn from Esau. Let's jump into the conversation. Kara, today I would like for us to talk about Esau. Okay. And for the next couple of weeks, actually, there are a couple of people in the Bible that I believe their lives has an amazing lesson. There's some things about these men really helped me in my life Hmm. as I like think about them and concentrate and meditate on their life as as it is written in the scripture, the facts and the things that we do know about them. There are so many things to be learned about the ways of God Mm -hmm. and the ways of man. What happens in their life when they're making wise choices and then what happens when they begin to live like the way they want to and go against God's word. And, And you can look at so many people in the Bible and God has allowed us to have them in the Bible so that we can read about them and that we can study their lives and stuff. But we have to be careful because we don't follow man. Mm, Right. You know, but we do follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. But there are ways that God works with mankind, Mm -hmm. with his children. And we can really learn so much about the ways of God, which is very, very important, and how God deals with his children. But are we do need to be very careful because we don't approach God as a group. Mm-hmm. We approach God individually. You know, the writer of Hebrews talks about that God has a purpose and a plan for our lives and it's individually. So even though we look at the lives of these men like Moses and Abraham, Paul, matter of fact, Paul gets really mad at the church and says, did I baptize you or did I die for you? Like, don't follow me. I'm just a man. He would always lead them to Jesus. That was his whole purpose. He Mm -hmm. wanted others to know that Jesus was the Messiah and was God. And so for the next couple of weeks, I feel like that uh, you and I can really uh, benefit. And I think it would help us in our journey, in our faith, as we look at the ways that God worked in the lives Mm -hmm. of his people. So for the next couple of weeks, I think we're just going to talk about these people. I just want to be careful as you're joining us in this conversation 
that we're not saying that there is another Paul. We're not saying that there's another Esau or Jacob, but there are reasons way beyond probably even know of why God has allowed their story to be in his story. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think it's easier sometimes to see things in ourselves through other people. Mm-hmm. Like when you see someone else react a certain way or respond a certain way or do something, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we can be blind to our own habits or tendencies as people or as, you know, within ourselves. And so, you know, today we'll look at Esau and look at how he maybe handled the situation and reflect on myself. Like, Mm -hmm. okay, do I have that tendency or where do I have that tendency in my life? Or when have I had that tendency or, you know, looking at them to reflect on ourselves, you know, like looking at Esau and not judging Esau's, you know, situation or Esau's heart or Esau's reactions, but looking at Esau and being like, okay, wait, like I'm a human too. Mm -hmm. And so what human tendency or what human or maybe I should say what flesh tendency is he reacting out of Mm -hmm. and where is that flesh tendency in my life? Mm -hmm. Well, let me give you a little bit of of history, set the stage kind of for Esau. Uh, We know that um, his father is Isaac and his mother is Rebecca. We know that Abraham had told his servant to go and find a wife for Isaac and he did. And um, we know that Rebecca and Isaac marry. Now, we also know, ironically, is that Sarah had a problem getting pregnant. Abraham and Sarah prayed for a child. And I think sometimes when I think about um, Isaac praying for Rebecca to get pregnant, I, I think back, did did he remember what his dad has said about his own life and how that yeah. God had answered Mm-hmm. Um, their prayer. And so I'm sure that when he went to pray for his wife, Rebecca, and said, God, I know that you're a God that can do this because you did this mm-hmm. in my family. You, this is, well, that's his, that's him. Like he, that's his story. Yeah, that's yeah. I didn't ever thought about that. And so as, as he sits and prays and asks God to allow Rebecca to have a child, she gets pregnant and things aren't going well. This pregnancy is not what it's cracked up to be. I'm sure that she has seen many women have children. And back then, a woman that could have children was like, wow, you are really blessed by God. And so I'm sure she was feeling just like Sarah did. You know, God, why have you not given me this child? Mm -hmm. And then she gets pregnant. And it's not exactly the way that she thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be. And I find it funny if you look in a verse 22 where it says if this is so then why is this happening to me and she then decides okay i'm gonna go pray for myself Mm -hmm. and so she begins to you know pray and ask god god tells rebecca what's really going on not always does Mm -hmm. god tell us that when we we know what's going on unfortunately he does not no (laughs) but but in this particular case because if we look at the character of god god has a plan he has a purpose but he does tell her that there is two nations. There's two people in her. And he actually even prophesies how this is going to happen. When God says to Rebecca that there's two nations, we do know that the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. We also know that the nation that came out of Jacob was Israel. Mm -hmm. So there is those two nations. So that's a prophecy Mm -hmm. that um, God is giving to Rebecca. Then also, we also know they fight. Not only do they fight from the beginning in the womb, but they fight all the way uh, through 
their lives. The Edomites were uh, Israel's enemy, and they were constantly struggling with the Edomites. Ironically, there's a little grace here because in Deuteronomy 23, verse 7, it says that they were forbidden to hate them. So even though the Edomites were a constant enemy to the nation of Israel, they could not hate them. And yet there was just always attention, just like it was in the womb. And so I find it really interesting of how God does tell Rebecca what's going to happen. Uh, you think you've got troubles now. Just wait, because yeah. this is going it's not going to stop. Right. I feel like there's a principle in that that I mean, not to get into, but just to say really quick. Of like it's okay to have tension with someone and not hate them, mm -hmm. or you know, like that's how you know he calls us not doesn't to mean hate, hate but them. Doesn't mean that you don't have tension with them. Right. Like that's a struggle, that's and that's yeah. true. And then too, it's as I look at the ways of God and how God works, He's like, you know what? There's certain things that's in my plan, and I'm going to allow it to happen. And it is the part of the older shall serve the younger, and that's not usually the case. The younger you know, was supposed to serve the older is the, the birthright, which right. we're going to talk about because that was the, the birthright is the order of when he was born and he was the older. Right. And he comes out now he's red and he's got hair. It doesn't sound like he was a pretty baby, <laughs> but uh, here is God saying, okay, you wanted to have a baby and it works in my plan. And here's my plan. You're going to have two nations. And one is going to be Israel and the other is Edomites and they're going to struggle. And we do know that Esau kind of comes uh, along and fulfills his name because he was a hunter and he was known for his skills of archery. And I guess he was kind of like uh, the man's man. And so Isaac favored him where Rebecca favored Jacob because Jacob liked to cook. Now, anybody wants to cook in my house, you're my favorite too. And you know, it doesn't go well when people uh, live when they really do have to experience favoritism where there's one parent that really does favor the other. Now, ironically, over the years, you know, I've looked at you and I say, you're my favorite. And then, but don't tell the other, you know, and and, you know, I've heard, oh, Scott's your favorite, you know. Right. That's more of a joke. It's more of a joke. But to live that. Right. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's very much, there's a laughter banter with it mm -hmm. versus. If it was a true feeling, reality. Right. It's one thing you might think that one's favoring over a situation versus literally they favored that person right. over the other. And so it, it wasn't one of the best homes it was obviously a little dysfunctional mm -hmm. and um we know that because when esau gets hungry he's coming in he's been hunting and he's starving well here's jacob's in the kitchen and jacob is making this stew he begins to smell the stew he's tired he's hungry and he's wanting something to eat now, we know that uh, one of the weaknesses that Esau had is that when he was faced with important decisions, he t tended to choose according to his immediate need rather than long-range effect. He was kind of short-sighted in of just not being able to see past his immediate mm -hmm. desires. And that's kind of what I want us to talk about today. As we think about Esau, and we've looked where he is in the birth order and he's, you know, this strong man, 
he obviously is this great hunter, but he's living in this family where there's division. There's one is uh, more favored than the other. And he comes in and he decides he's just starving. He's a little drama. Well, he probably, I mean, I would imagine back then, you know, when you come in from the field, you've been in the field for, I mean, he could have been out there for days. Yes. So it's not like he's been out there for two hours and just, you know, wants a snack. Like he more than likely, I would imagine he had gone a potentially a couple days without a real meal. We know that Esau came in from the field and he, and he says, I am famished. And uh, he starts to smell the stew and he's looking really good. And so he decides he's going to make a plan and he wants some stew. And because Jacob will learn about him next week of being a deceiver, he's like, okay, well, if you want some soup and you're so hungry, sell me your birthright. And I find it so funny that Esau says, well, I'm going to die anyway. Well, he's not going to die anyway. Right. But he's so hungry. He's so driven by his desire that he cannot see clearly. Like we've said, like he's been out in the field. He's been hunting more than likely for days. He's exhausted. The sun beating on him. It's probably hot. You know, like there's all these elements so, I mean, it is probably a dramatic scene, but it probably is a dramatic scene because it truly was dramatic. There was some, and some, some truth, truth to, it. to it, right? And so he probably legitimately felt like he was going to die. Mm-hmm. And, and I've never been that hungry. Right. But I will say that there have been times when I walked in, I thought, I don't care what I eat. Right. Even though if I've made that decision that morning, I'm not going to eat any sugar. And I come in and I'm starving. I will go. To what I see. At well, the, imagine if I was baking a cake and it had just come out of the oven and you're starving. You know, you'd be like. And I've done that. I don't even have to have right. it. I don't even have to smell it. It just needs to be a convenient thing for me to eat. And then I'll find myself grabbing whatever is convenient at that very moment mm. to satisfy that need. And that's the whole point. Right. It's not looking at Esau and be like, well, you know, justifying him selling his birthright. But I think it's as best as we can realizing just how high those stakes were, you know, just how hungry, just how exhausted, just how he must have truly been feeling in that moment. But here's the deal. Here's what we need to think about and talk about is the setup, right? Because he's hungry. He's tired. Like you're saying, he's probably been out in the field for days. He's, he doesn't have a shelf. He's not sitting around just, you know, having his meals served to him. And so he's, he is literally starving but he's saying well i'm just going to die anyway what does it matter to me and so he's short-sighted he's not thinking about wait a minute if i sell my birthright i'm giving up the double portion of my inheritance like what that actually means what that actually Mm -hmm. means and so he's being set up he's being set up by being hungry he's looking and he's smelling the food so here he is in a situation that he really is tired. He really has a need to, to be hungry. And yet here he walks into a situation where he's smelling the food. He's has the offer. I'll give this to you. This can be yours. You can have this. It's going to be a price, but you can have it. Give me a birthright. And he's like, well, what good is a birthright? Because what I want right now is what I want. Right. And that's the lesson. Well, the ironic thing is if he had thought through it, if he ate, then he would live, <laughs> you know, like, so that's the that's irony right. of him truly not thinking through it. Cause I mean, he very well could have about been about to die. You know, that's the thing where we don't know, no, no. but if he had 
took a second and thought like, okay, I'm, I'm going to about to die. But if I eat this, I'm going to regret. I'm going to regret. Right. It's like what that. It's counting the cost. Counting the cost. Yeah. It's not even almost, I mean, there is consequences, but yeah, it's like what that actually means on the other side of that decision. I want you to write this down because this is huge for us when we are finding ourselves tempted and deceived in wanting something that we think is going to give life to us, that is going to fulfill the desires and the needs of our heart. We have to be careful because we have to think back, am I being set up? Am I being deceived? What is this going to cost me if I were to continue to move forward into this? And what I find so ironic is that when he was giving up his birthright, and a birthright is his order of how he was, where he was born. A blessing, we'll see later on, he was deceived. A blessing's different. I'm not going to get into that. But right now, this is his birthright. This is his inheritance. It reminds me of the prodigal son who said, give me my inheritance Mm -hmm. now. And what he was saying to the father, the prodigal son was, I consider you dead. You're mm. you're dead to me. I want what I want right now. Well, it was his right, and that's it's a birthright. It was that's his right. right for that inheritance. Yes, and so he was giving up something that was very valuable to him, and it was something that later on he will want, and he gets mad and he gets angry that he did fall to that temptation. Mm-hmm. But as we look at the principles here, we have to remember the lessons from his life is that God will allow certain events in our lives to accomplish his overall purpose. Now, remember, he said the older will serve the younger. That's not Jewish custom, right? And so God will allow certain events in our lives to accomplish his overall purpose, but we're still responsible for our actions. Mm-hmm. And that consequences are important to consider before we make a life-altering decision. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel that so often we get so caught up in the mood. James says that we get tempted away by our own desires, by our own flesh. You know, uh, in Genesis 3, where Adam and Eve, they looked at the tree and they thought it was good. They thought it looked good for food, again, to satisfy a natural desire. And I see this so often that uh, even with marriage or wanting to be married, so often do I see someone being unwilling to, to settle for what would not be God's best, but for what they want for the moment, just to satisfy that need. That's why we have such a high rate of divorce. Mm-hmm. And so as I think about the lessons in in here and what God wants us to sit back for a minute and say, God, do I have the spirit of Esau? Am I in a situation right now? What am I willing to give up to fulfill my own desire, to fulfill what I want? And it wasn't a sin for Esau to to have food, to satisfy his hunger That's not a sin, Mm -hmm. but what he was willing to do. And in other words, with his birthright and his blessings that we see, it was like, you mean nothing to me. My spiritual walk, my birth order, my relationship with my father 
And even with his God means nothing because I'm willing to give that up. His whole future. His whole future Mm -hmm. for what he wants for the moment. And sometimes, though, I think this can apply to it's not even what we want, but it's what we're afraid to have. You know, sometimes this whole thing can be this whole Esau principle can be motivated by shame or fear Mm -hmm. or, you know, so I don't. It's it a setup. Right. It doesn't always play out in going after a sinful desire or going after, but sometimes it could be not going after your own healing or staying in an unhealthy situation. You know, yeah. like I think it, you know, it can play out in so That's many ways. Point. You know, Esau was just thinking about what he wanted for the moment. Mm-hmm. It's funny, like I was, you know, just thinking of the parallel of Jesus in the wilderness. You know, he was mm-hmm. a different kind of exhaustion exhaustion a different kind of hunger he obviously had fasted for 40 mm-hmm. days but he was hungry and exhausted mm-hmm. and he was given the same or a similar temptation by satan himself of i'll give you all this i'll give you everything you see i'll give you you know reign over the earth and he if took you a just moment, before right. me and so we really see those two parallel situations of how esau handled that and how jesus handled that and i know jesus is god but he was very much human in that situation mm-hmm. you're know, like i believe right. that jesus dealt with satan in the wilderness as a human mm-hmm. in other words i think we can respond in the exact same way i think we are Absolutely. given that strength to in the face of a temptation even if we're exhausted and tired and say you know, take a moment and pause, like Mm -hmm. the power of a pause and just be like, okay, what is this? And good or bad, you know, Mm -hmm. like sometimes it could be a good thing. It could Mm -hmm. be taking a moment and being like, okay, what, as best as I know, would this be a positive or a negative thing on the other? Is this be wise or unwise? Would this Mm -hmm. be what God would want or not want? You know, that sort of thing. And, you know, I think that uh, some things are worth the wait. Mm -hmm. And it's when you're in a situation and you have to make a life altering decision, and something that you really are really wanting God to fulfill and you're really praying about something, you have to be careful. Am I being set up? And here's one of the things we have to learn. You have to listen to this. There is steps to that. He just did not walk in and say, I'm hungry. He comes in in a situation that his past of what he was doing set him up to be hungry he'd been out in the field there's not drive-throughs there's not uh like you said restaurants all along the way he literally was hungry now he was probably not about to die but we don't know that uh, i'm hoping he had water but we do know that he's thinking only for that moment well, of you, time right i don't he wasn't he didn't realize he was hungry the moment he walked into that hut. <laughs> well, you know, like, say, you know, he was smelling and he could probably just taste that soup and he right. was desiring something. Well, I'm sure the desire, but I'm saying like he had to have felt the hunger mm-hmm. on his walk back. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's not like as soon as he was like, oh, wait, I'm hungry. I didn't realize it until this moment. You know, like, like you're saying, and the here setup. is very important. There are often things in our lives that we have a desire. We have a dream. We want God to fulfill these desires in our life. But if we are not careful, we can look back in our past and see how we were set up to not trust God and to wait on God to fulfill that desire. I do believe that some things are worth waiting for. Esau, in indifference toward his firstborn status, did not understand the significance of all that God had promised to fulfill through the unique line from Abraham in which he was the natural heir. So he had no idea that what he was given up, it would have been, you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. 
But now he was willing to give up his inheritance. In other words, God, I don't want what you want mm-hmm. for me. Well, I wonder too. I mean, because I, I could be wrong in this, but I don't know. I mean, maybe he, there was no way for him to know in that moment what all he was giving up because he may not have known like, oh, for the rest of time, people are going to be saying, you know, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jacob um, versus Esau. So he did know about inheritance. Right. But I'm saying, I think it's that he didn't truly believe that there was going to be good on the other side. You know, he thought he was going to die. So, I, you know, like there's an element, I think, where he's doesn't believe like the goodness in his future, like the good that God is going to bring him through a birthright and through. And that is because his desire was blinding him from the cost and the consequences of his immediate choice. His desire, I am hungry, blinded him. He wanted to fulfill that need and he did not want to wait and allow dinner to come around when dinner was going to come around when God was, he's not like he wasn't ever going to eat again, but at that moment, it was that very moment he walks in, he sees it, he smells it. And he's like, this is what I want. I'm hungry and I'm going to meet this immediate need. And he did know about an inheritance. He did know that he was willing to give up his birthright. It was a double portion, but it didn't matter. Well, what I'm saying is I don't think he, he didn't realize fully what that, no. the weight of that cost. We you know? never know the impact. Right. And that's what I'm saying. It's like, he didn't, he didn't fully know. And there was mm-hmm. no way for him to know, but I think that's what you're saying. Like it's why it's worth it to wait. You know what? All he knew was that he's given up his birthright and he knew what that meant as much as he did. Mm-hmm. And he didn't understand the significance and the weight. Like it was so much more than he even realized. And it is the same with us. Right. You know, we know that in Romans six twenty one it says, what benefit did sin give you? And it's usually always after. It's always after you've made that mistake. And you look back and like, isn't it now as you look back now, it's, isn't it just that now the only benefit, the only consequences, the only thing that you get out of that sin right now is shame and regret. And so that's what Romans 6 is 21 is talking about. Like, think, think ahead. What benefit when you lived your life and done what you wanted to do and fulfill your own desires based on what you wanted and not what God wanted. And now you look back, what benefit did it? Now only just regret and shame. And I think it's an encouragement. And I want to end, Kara, on this. We could go on and on about this because it's so important. I see it all the time. Every single day, everybody's willing to give up even their freedom. They're not realizing what that's going to cost them later on. They're willing to give up their testimony, their reputation. They're willing to give up their communion and fellowship with God for just that moment of time to satisfy that need that they might feel like they need to Uh, be fulfilled right at that moment. They get tired. They get weary to wait on God's best. And I understand that. But I want to just say this as we end. When I was willing to walk away from my marriage and I went and I went to talk with that pastor, he said to me, do you want to look back and wonder what God would have done had you only obeyed him? And the Holy Spirit in me just literally kind of rose up in me. And I thought, no, 
I never want to look back and regret and wonder what God would have done had I obeyed him. And I don't care how long it takes. I don't care how hard it is. It is always best to wait on God. Esau was quick to give up something that he really was going to cherish all of his life. He gave up his position in the household. He gave up his position as the spiritual guidance and leader of the nation of Israel. He gave it up for a bowl of soup. And you know, as I think about that, and as I've been studying for this, I've been asking God, God, what am I willing to give up for a bowl of soup? Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that you and I and whoever's listening need to sit back and say, God, what am I doing right now? What am I going after? What am I praying for? What is it that I'm asking God to fulfill a genuine desire in my heart? Am I willing to wait on your best? Or am I willing to give up what is really best for me, for what I want at the moment? I think praying that too is where am I or how am I being set up? Because I do believe we are all being set up to some degree. If there's one thing I know about walking with God is that the enemy does not want us to have all that God has for us. And he wants us to settle for garbage, even if it looks like a delicious bowl of soup. I hope you wrote some of that down. For more content from Dot, head to dotbowen.com. This podcast is brought to you by Cup of Joy Ministries and generous contributions from listeners like you. We look forward to being with you again next week. Thanks for listening.